Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. You made the best choice you could make on the first Sunday of the month by hanging out at the Movement Church, and we are honored. For those of you that are with us, maybe for the first time, my name is Carrie, and uh, my wife and I are some of the pastors here. My wife was just up here a moment ago. Man, we're excited. We're excited about what this year has to offer. We're excited about what God is doing, and, and let me just encourage you, God is up to something big. And so we like to capitalize on the beginning of the year every year. We do a 21-day challenge. This is not a surprise to anyone who's been with us for any number of years. And so we take the first month and really recalibrate, refocus, and kind of tune in to what God is doing. Another way to say that is kind of lean in to what God is doing. And so I want to challenge you to be in this journey with us. Every year we do a 21-day challenge, and it's beginning right now. And here's the great news. You get to be part of it. So there's three things that are involved. And before I dive into the message today, I want to challenge you to be a part of these three things. Is that cool? Let me tell you about them real quickly. Everybody say number one. Say devote. I want to challenge you for 21 days to do a couple of things that are refocusing our devotion on who God is. So number one, I want you to be reading along with us or challenge you to read along with us in our step reading plan, which is found on our website. In fact, I'm going to give you a word to text in a moment so you have all the information that you need. But I want to challenge you, our whole team, our pastoral team, our elders and leaders, we're going to be reading the same thing. And I want to challenge you to be reading along with us. It'll take you from five minutes to 50 minutes. You can do it as long or as short as you want to. And then I want to challenge you to be praying. We underestimate the power of prayer so often. In fact, I hear all the time, man, I don't know what else to do. All that's left to do now is to pray. And really, prayer is the best first step. So we're actually going to put our money where our mouth is, so to speak. And every day for 21 days, Monday through Friday, we're going to be praying at 6 a.m. Everybody say 6 a.m. And I don't want to just challenge you to pray. I want to challenge you to come out and pray with us. Some great businessmen and women in our church have offered up their office complex for us. And I'll give you all the information of where that's at. But starting tomorrow, 6 a.m., we're going to be there to pray together and believe that God's going to do something awesome. Let me tell you what's crazy about that. When we lean into God, the Bible promises he leans right into us. And most, most people, let alone Christians, don't even know how to pray. And it's not overcomplicated, but I want to challenge you to join us in this journey. So devote is number one. Number two, everybody say connect. Come on, like you mean it, connect. I, our heartbeat and one of the underlying culture points of our church is building authentic relationships. And yet I found it so easy to go through life and have interactions and friends and acquaintances, but never actually build real friendships. So here's my challenge to you. Let's be intentional about that. And over the course of 21 days, I want to challenge you to hang out with somebody who also goes to the Movement Church. Grab some dinner or coffee or lunch or breakfast. And don't just hang out and talk about the weather and what sports your kids are playing or how crazy your life is, but actually say, hey, what's going on in your world and how can I be praying 
for you. And then I want to challenge you to connect with somebody outside the church, not just for having friendship or fun or talking, but to actually say, hey, what's going on in your world? What are the greatest challenges? And then how can I be praying for you? I had a coffee with a friend of mine who goes to this church just last week. And at the end of the meeting, he leaned in and he said, hey, Pastor Kerry, how can I be praying for you? And I was just kind of blown away and so grateful. And I said, honestly, let me just tell you. And I shared some things with him. And I said, how can I pray for you? And he shared some things with me. And we finished our coffee just having some prayer. And I left so encouraged. And I want to challenge you. It'd be a great thought to have, but it's one thing to think, it's nothing to do it. And I want to challenge you over 21 days to connect with somebody in the church and somebody outside the church for the purpose of encouragement. And number three, everybody say invest. I want to challenge you to invite one person to church with you every day for 21 days. Statistics show that 86% of people who are invited to church will actually attend. We're going to hand out invitations on your way out today that you can be giving to your friends and your baristas and your neighbors and all of those people. But I want to just tell you, it's not just a piece of paper. It represents somebody who just needs to know that there's hope. And the crazy thing is God aligned your world, your life, every nuance, every circumstance. And he puts you in the world of people who just need to know there's some hope. And one of the greatest things you can do is say, hey, come to church with me. So devote, connect, invest for 21 days. And I can promise you this, at the end of that 21 days, your life will not be perfect. Isn't that good news? <laughs> but it will be full. And you'll look back over 21 days and say, wow, what a profound way to begin our year. So journey with us. Here's what you can do. Go ahead and grab your phones. I don't know if you know this, but we use a text service a lot. And text the word challenge, 21-day challenge, just the word challenge to the number on the screen. It'll tell you where, it'll give you directions to our, our prayer meetings are held. It'll just give you a link to our reading program. Everything that you need will be in that response. But hey, don't just be spectators, be participators. Can we do that? Yeah. Let me pray while you're shooting the text challenge to the number on the screen and, and we'll dive into today. God, we just thank you that you're here. We spent the first few moments together as a church collectively just singing songs, but it's not so much about the melody and the harmony. It's about connecting our heart and, and refocusing in on who you are. So right now, we just thank you that you're doing something miraculous, even here, even now, in Charger Hall at El Toro High School. And so God, we wanna see that continue to happen. So we give you permission to rearrange the furniture of our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Well, I'm excited. Today we're starting a brand new series called Surrender. Everybody say surrender. surrender. We're going to be on this journey for the next four weeks. It'll kind of coincide with our 21-day challenge. And, and it really kind of is, is teeing up what I think God wants to do in our lives on a regular basis, let alone for the end of the year. The term Christian and that, that term actually it, it is synonymous with someone who is a Christ follower. And if you're here today and maybe you'd say, I'm not sure if I fit into that category, permission to belong before you believe. I, I don't want anyone to just take what I'm saying and, and take it as fact. I would challenge you to let the Holy Spirit do a work in your life. And so when we look at that word Christian or Christ follower, there's actually 
So much that comes with that, but it literally means to surrender. Everybody say surrender. The word Christ follower means to surrender. In fact, that the beginning of that journey begins with surrendering my life to Jesus. It's saying, I'm giving you permission to take over the driver's seat of my life. It's saying, hey, I, I, I'm here to be, you, you're in charge of who I am. And I think this concept of surrender is the most important concept that, that we can actually begin to adopt as followers of Christ. In fact, I had a hero in the faith once say to me, he said, I believe that if believers or Christians or Christ followers could simply read some scripture every day and daily pray a prayer of surrender, we could change the world. And yet for so many of us, we, we have missed the whole concept of what it means to be a Christ follower. We believe that to be a Christian or a Christ follower means that I've got to live a perfect life or be able to articulate biblical insight that rivals theologians or, or never fail or never slip up or never make mistakes. But really, to be a Christ follower simply means to surrender. You know, I, I've lived now in Orange County for six years, and it literally is the greatest place on the planet to live. Can I get an amen from some people who agree? And listen, the four of you that clap know what I'm talking about. We have the greatest weather. Even our inclement weather is like 69 degrees, right? Um, if it's like really hot, it's because it's 78 and peaking at 80. And the rest of the world is like, oh, please send the 80-degree weather. And we're like, oh, it's so hot. We hit 63 or 64 degrees and we don our North Face jackets and wrap a scarf around our head. We're a beanie and mittens and we walk into Starbucks so cold. It's freezing out there. You know what I'm talking about? Any, any of you from the Midwest or the Northern States, you're like, this is ridiculous, people. You're walking around in shorts and a T-shirt all year round. I love it. And one of my favorite parts of the year is when it gets foggy consistently. We didn't have that where I grew up in Dallas. It was it, every once in a while the fog would roll in and you would think Satan himself showed up. And so where we live, the fog rolls in pretty consistently. And I just love it. Anybody else like the fog? Anyone? I love it. And so today we're driving into church this morning and, and it was rather foggy outside. And I, I'm excited because I'm just, I, I don't know about you, but I, when I drive, I drive like I live life, fast and hard. And I just go for it. Anybody else out there? If you didn't raise your hand, you're the person I'm mad at in the carpool lane. If you go the speed limit in the carpool lane, then Jesus is watching. It's not okay. Wait a minute. I feel like that's unbiblical. We'll move on. And so, listen, the fog is there. I'd just gotten some Starbucks. It was literally my third cup of coffee for the day, and I'm excited, and I'm cruising down the same street heading to this school as we do every Sunday. And all of a sudden, as I'm cruising down this street, the fog clears and, and my visibility is in, increased and I can see that we're approaching an intersection and the light is most definitely red. Only I'm flying extremely fast. Cars are going through the intersection and I'm like, hold on! I slam on the brakes. My car goes, Arr! things fly at the windshield. I think we lost somebody. They may be on the road somewhere now and coffee and water canteens explode and I don't know about you, but I have back seat and passenger seat drivers in my car and they're all yelling at me as if I'm the only person who has never driven perfectly and all that to say, all that to say, I, I was just kind of cruising through life like I always do and I was not paying attention to the fog. 
And really what I needed to do was just slow down. Now, thankfully, I can stand before you today and tell this story and we laugh about it, but it could have been very tragic. It could have been a very different story. It could have very, very realistically injured some of the most important people in my world. All because I was cruising through life at a normal speed and not slowing down. And I just want to challenge you. Over the course of the next few weeks for this series specifically, look me in the eyes. I want to challenge you to slow down a little bit and lean into what God wants to do. I really do believe at the core of who I am that the very precipice of everything that we believe and hold dear is this concept of surrender. This concept of surrender. It's the reason why we're kicking off the entire year with this series. I believe if we'll get this whole idea of surrender down, it will change perspective. It'll change life. And we can experience life, as the Bible says, to the fullest. So to really understand this concept of surrender, there's one component that I need you to kind of understand. That as God's design for our life, all of us in this room, we are made up or comprised of three different Portions, components, or parts of our life. We, and I've got a slide to kind of help illustrate this. And you don't have to believe this, but this is God's design for our life. We're made up of three different parts, the spirit, the soul, and the body. Now, the body, it, it, it literally represents the systems, which you, I, you guys recognize you have a body, right? I think you got that, right? You've got a skeletal system and a muscular system, and you've got all these things functioning you have things that are happening subconsciously. You're breathing. I hope most of you are breathing. You don't even have to tell your body to do it. God designed it to do that. But the body also has cravings and desires. And we understand this because we just spent two months saying yes to our cravings and desires. That's why gym memberships go up in January. Can I get an amen from some people today, right? Then we're also made up of the soul. Now, the soul is the mind, the will, and emotions, or another way to say that, thoughts, feelings, and actions. This is different than the physical component of who I am. This is the emotional side of who I am. And then there's a spiritual side to who we are. Genesis says that we are created in the image of God. God is a spirit and we have a spirit. Now, if you're here today and you've said yes to Jesus... Maybe you're at the movement church and you prayed a prayer. We would call that a moment of salvation. And a shift takes place. It literally is a moment. It's a prayer. It's this time where I just kind of invite Jesus into the driver's seat of my life. And this moment is not based upon aligning my past with perfection or church membership, but it's based simply upon the word belief. We talked about this a little bit last week. In fact, the scripture reiterates that in Romans chapter 3, verse 22. It says this, that the righteousness of God through faith, through in Jesus Christ, is for all who believe. Believe. And in fact, that two verses later it says, and we are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ. So in that moment, when we pray a prayer like that, and we simply believe that God is who he says he is, our spirit comes alive in Christ. That's why many people have this experience that 
transcends anything they've ever experienced before because something shifted. And immediately our spirit is put in right standing with God. Before, we're all human and we're imperfect, but when we say that prayer and believe that moment is real, we're put in right standing with God. Romans 5 says it like this, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we now have peace with God. Because of the moment our spirit is aligned with who God is, the Bible calls this justification. Everybody say justification. Now, I grew up in the southern states, went to Southern Baptist Church, and we had Sunday school. And they would teach us that justification, a great way to remember that is just as if I've never sinned. Just as if I've never sinned. That moment of surrender leads to justification. Look at me in the eyes. It's after that moment that God no longer sees us through the lens of our shortcomings, our failures, our mistakes, or sin in our life, he sees us through the lens of Jesus, who paid the penalty of our sin. Are you tracking with me today? That surrender, that moment of surrender is called justification. And our spirit is aligned with who God is. Here's the problem. We're not only comprised of the spirit. Our body and our soul need time and effort to be aligned with the nature or the spirit of God. It takes time to get there. It takes effort and work. In fact, Paul, one of the chief writers of the New Testament, he said this, work hard to show the results of salvation. Now, a lot of us would, we would maybe rephrase this in a different way. We would think we've got to work hard for salvation, but that isn't our job. All we have to do is simply believe what the writer is saying. Work hard to show the what? Results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So in other words, he's saying there's some work we do after salvation to align our body and soul with the nature of who God is. This doesn't come naturally, but this is, happens after a moment of justification, and this is called sanctification. Sanctification simply means a gradual and progressive spiritual growth that marks the life of a believer. Now, that's important, the gradual and progressive spiritual growth. So this shows that, hey, there's a moment that takes place where God comes in and he justifies my life. And it's just as if I've never sinned. But after that moment, I've got to live a life to align my body and soul with the nature of God. So a gradual, progressive spiritual growth. So we don't just leave it at a prayer and then think all things are good. Now notice it doesn't say that spiritual growth needs to happen overnight. Can I get an amen and thank God from some people? It's a gradual and progressive. So it's a slow process, but it also says progressive, which means moving forward. That's why we encourage people at the Movement Church to take your next step. Now, the Bible never says we're all to take the same size step. If you're like my wife, her steps are like this. But if you're like me, it's like this. Mm. Mm. 
just seeing how much I can make you laugh. Also, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to get back on the stage without ripping my pants. I'm just going to walk to the stairs. It's a gradual, progressive, spiritual growth. But look at the, the, the next portion of this definition of sanctification that says this, that marks our lives. Look at me in the eyes as believers. I, I, I grew, I, first 15 years of ministry for me was with teenagers. So if I sound aggressive, it's because that youth pastor is coming out. So when I say look me in the eyes, I don't mean it angry. I'm like, hey, look up here, guys. <laughs> that marks our lives as believers, which means that at some point, after the moment with God, there's got to start to be a change that becomes evident. This isn't surrender in a moment. This is a life of surrender. In March, May 25th, 2001, I walked down an aisle, and then my wife, or soon-to-be wife, walked down an aisle, and we stood on a stage in a, a church in Dallas, Texas, and we exchanged vows, and we exchanged rings, and she looked gorgeous with her big 2001 Texas hair. Come on. It's a real thing. You're in Texas. Tease your hair. Make it bigger. No, bigger. Okay, now it's good. I don't, they don't talk like that, so, Yeah. And I stood there at an altar, and we exchanged the vows and the rings, and we said, I do. And in that moment, I officially became her spouse or her husband. But I've been spending the last 20 years of my life trying to become hers. And there's a big difference. I could put a roof over her head and food on the table and gas in the car, but not be hers. To be hers means I understand her nature. It means that I know her hopes and her fears. It means I know what makes her happy and what makes her sad, what makes her laugh and what makes her cry. And in that journey, I can't become hers and do it perfectly. It is a journey where I've made many mistakes. Many mistakes. We've had tons of conversations that have led to extreme disappointment. And not just days of sorrow, but even weeks. During that journey, there have been not just days, but even weeks where I've wanted to throw in the towel. And say, man, I don't know if I can handle this anymore. But guess what? We, we learned early on that if we're going to have a marriage that works, we're going to have to choose to fight for our marriage and not in our marriage. And here's the bigger deal. I've got to work at it. I've got to put in the effort. I've already said yes. The moment has already happened. I wear that. Well, it's tattooed on my hand, but I, I have it on my hand. And we have signed the marriage documents. And according to the state of Texas and the United States, we are husband and wife, but I'm still on a journey to become hers. And let me just tell you, every day I wake up more in love with her. And every day I'm more excited about the future. But I also want to add that every day that is a choice for me. It doesn't just come naturally. It comes naturally for her. I'm easy to be married to. <laughs> You're laughing because you see the truth, obviously. <laughs> but it's a choice. 
And that's what this whole concept of surrender is. That's God's hope for you and for me. That we surrender daily and align our life, our thoughts, our emotions, our body with his nature. And listen, we all want this. We want a life of real connection with God. And this happens when our spirit man's become, the spirit man of us, or woman, the, the, the spiritual component of us becomes the strongest of the three part of our design. The command center, if you will, of who we are and what we do. But aligning our body and our soul with our spirit does not come naturally. That is not our default. In fact, Paul, one of the chief writers of the New Testament, was screaming this about his own life. Look at what he says in Romans chapter 7, verse 15. I'm full of myself. After all, I've spent a long time in sin's prison. I think many of us can identify with that feeling. I've spent a long time in sin's prison. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another. Doing things I absolutely despise. So I had a moment of justification where I surrendered my life to Jesus. And there's things that I want to do, but I find this law at work or this thing at work on the inside that I'm having a struggle aligning my body and soul with the nature of God. Most of us struggle with this and we have the tables turned where our body or our soul becomes the stronger of our three component makeup. Look at this. The tech team created this slide for me. Most of us might, might fit into this category where the body is, is the stronger of the three-part makeup. When our body is the strongest, we're in trouble. You want to know why? Because your body has issues. Some are like, Lord, help me. I know, right? Some of you are like, okay. Listen, we have issues. Our body has wants. We just talked about what November and December has looked like. I just put my scale away. I just threw it away for December was really bad for Carrie. Let's talk about that another time. We, our body has cravings, but it's not just fit, food for food and, and, and water. It also has cravings for lust and desires that if we feed that, it really does lead to disaster. And the truth is a person who lets the body lead lives a reckless life. When the body leads, I don't care how my soul feels, I'll just sleep with whoever I want. regardless of the vows that I made, regardless of whether or not they're my husband or wife. When the body leaves, I don't care how my soul feels. I'll pursue any relationship, even if I know it's really not good for me. When the body leads, regardless of how my soul feels, I'll abuse any substance, even if it means I lose everything I worked hard to build. So a good question for us to ask as we are on this journey is, are your actions driven by your cravings? What we'll do over the next three weeks is we'll unpack how to, how to align our body and our soul and our spirit with the nature of God. But for today's sake, I want to lay the foundations of the essence of surrender. Because when the body leads, it leads to a reckless life. But the same is true when if, and if we let our soul begin to lead. When our soul leads... It becomes the stronger of our three-part makeup. And then 
what happens is we get into trouble because my thoughts are now leading. And how many of you know that sometimes our thoughts can really get us into trouble? In fact, this is the battlefield of the enemy. This is where Satan really comes in and he does, he wreaks havoc. Hey, look at me for a moment. This is the place where we have that thought like, man, why didn't they invite me to that party? Every time an Insta story pops up or Instagram or Facebook and you weren't there, it reminds you or makes you feel like you weren't important enough to be there. And here's what happens. Some of you are like, I don't even have Instagram. That's okay. We'll get to you in a minute. We see that and we're wondering, why am I not there? Am I not worth being friends with? And then the enemy comes in in a very small whisper and he says, you know what? They're just like everybody else you've known. It seems like your whole life. Remember in sixth grade and then in high school that happened and then at your work, man, it seems like everybody gets invited out to lunch but you. Maybe you really are the problem. My thoughts. Does that make sense? And then the way that the enemy works is he isolates. Well, we do. We stop letting anybody else in on our thoughts. And so then it's just left to my own ideas and the voice of the enemy. When the soul leads, it's not only thoughts, but it's emotions. And we all know that emotions are 100% always accurate. You ever like gotten so angry and you wrote that text and like sent it and you hear the, you're like, ah! you ever been in that argument with your spouse or your kids or your boyfriend or your girlfriend, or maybe you just want to have an argument with a boyfriend because you're lonely. I don't know what it is. And you're just like, you said that one thing and the moment you said it, you're just like, ah, Rewind. I love you, babe. I just absolutely love you. <laughs> Nobody's ever wanted to do that. Like, I, if I could do anything, I'd hit the rewind button like all the time. <laughs> Why? Because when we let our emotions lead, we get into trouble. Especially if we begin to believe that our emotions are truth. And that's what happens when our soul is the stronger of the three. A person who lets their emotions lead lives a reckless life. So the question to ask yourself is, are your thoughts driven by emotions? When our body or our soul are the stronger of the three, we experience a disconnect with God. Now let me just pause right there and hit the brakes for just a moment. I'm going to go ahead and invite the band to come on up. When our body and our soul are the strongest of the three, we experience a disconnect. And this is where we get into trouble as well because what we associate is that disconnect with the love of God or the grace of God or the mercy of God. So what I didn't say is that there's a disconnect between God's love, grace, and mercy towards us. I just said a disconnect. The Bible would say that there's nothing. In fact, look at what Romans chapter 8 says about God's love and grace and mercy for you and for me. This is Paul writing again. He said, I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, no, absolutely nothing, 
living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus has embraced us. So I'm not talking about a disconnect from God's love and grace that never changes. Hey, got a newsflash for you. Even if you've never had a moment of justification where you said yes to Jesus, God's love and grace is still for you. He doesn't care about your choices. That can never change. That's much better than your amens right there. It can never change. But when our body and soul is not aligned with the nature of God, we sense a disconnect. That's why sometimes you might walk into a church feeling, building and feel like God is so distant. But you and I get this. Because you can probably imagine in any relationship you've ever been in, maybe a best friend or a brother or a sister or a husband or a wife or a son or a daughter, all eyes right here, they're just coming on stage. It's okay. You saw them earlier. And you've had relationships with them and you may be the best friend or you guys grew up together in every tradition, every holiday, you loved it. And then all of a sudden you got into an argument and the argument created tension. And then after the argument, you had to get in the car and drive somewhere. And how was that car ride? Horrible. You're not talking. It's awkward. Some of you had it this morning driving to church. Yes, I know. There's an awkward tension. Why? Is it because you don't love them anymore? No, it's because there's a disconnect. We've got to get back into alignment. It's like when you drive your car, if you hit a curb too hard. You have to overcompensate by holding the steering wheel hard left or hard right just to drive straight. Until you go back in and get the wheels aligned. We're overcompensating, and some of us in life are overcompensating because we are not aligned with the nature of who God is. We're overcompensating and putting in false emotion and energy into something, but really we just feel a disconnect from God. And God's just like, man, all it takes is a little bit of surrender daily, a little bit of effort. I'm not demanding perfection. I'm not even demanding fast pace. I just want to see some growth, some progression. And then ultimately, I just want to see your life begin to change. And we want this. Hey, all of humanity wants this. Just had a conversation with a gentleman on Christmas Day. He said, I've been searching for God for 40 years. He said, I literally did 10 days without talking or eating on a side of a mountain in Tibet. One year I fasted for 40 days, three times. I sat with spiritual gurus and shaman all around the world. I said, what changed in your life? He said, I was on a walk in my home in Irvine. And I was walking past a church and I felt God whisper, you'll search for me everywhere, but you won't don the doors of a church just to hear what I have for you. And he walked into this church building on a Sunday morning and he had a radical encounter with God, a moment. And now he's begun a two-year journey of surrendering his life to Jesus. I'm telling you, this isn't a life that's perfect. 
But this, my friends, is a full life. And so many of us miss it. Now we're gonna journey on the practicals of this over the course of the next few weeks, but I wanna challenge you, don't miss this moment. Go on this journey with us. And let's start off 2018 in a way we've never started a year before with some daily surrender. In fact, the very last song that we sang today was I give my life. I live my life to honor this. We're gonna take a few moments before we go any further in our service to worship. It's one of the greatest things that we can do when we shift our focus off of everything else in the world and put it right back on who God is. And I want to challenge you. Let's make today a day where we begin a journey of surrender daily. And before we go any further, some of us in this room actually need to begin the journey. Like there's a starting point for this. It's a moment. We talked about it earlier in the service. A moment. Not church membership, not eradicating your past, but a moment where I say yes to Jesus and invite him into the driver's seat of my life. Not saying yes to perfection, but to the beginning, the journey. And some of us in this room have never simply started and today is your day. Don't miss this moment. In fact, in just a few moments, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if that's you, you've never prayed the prayer right where you're seated with no embarrassment. I want to challenge you to pray it with me. All you have to do is believe. I'm not going to ask you to get out of your seat, but to have a moment with God. And hey, look at me in the eyes. Some of us in this room have been playing with our destiny and faith and purpose. And maybe we had a moment like that but we've been spending the last few weeks, months, maybe even years, not running from God, but sprinting from Him. And today's a day to come running back. So when I pray this prayer, if that's you, I want to challenge you to pray that with me as well. Would you do me a favor, heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around, nobody moving. Let this be a moment between you and God. If that's you, you've never begun the journey, never prayed this prayer, I want to challenge you to pray it with me today for the very first time. And if you're here and you've been playing with your faith, running from God today's the day to come running back, would you make this prayer your own, maybe in the quietness of your heart or your, a still small whisper, just say these words to say, dear God, I know that you're real and that you love me, that nothing can separate me from your love. I'm not perfect. Would you forgive me? Now just make this statement your own. Just say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at and if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message 
from the Movement Church.
If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Please email us at info at theocmovement.com. And if you were not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Please send us an email at info at theocmovement.com. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.